0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. Good morning, First Church. Oh, we can do better than that. Let's switch from "Good morning" to "Praise the Lord." That'll let you work your lungs a little bit. Are you ready? Praise the Lord, First Church. I haven't seen you guys since last year, and. I'm filled with affection for you today, and I hope all of you have had a wonderful uh, holidays. Um, I have a confession to make. I'm the type of person who uh, goes to bed early on New Year's Eve. And complain about the neighbors for shooting off fireworks. So don't be like me. Live a vivacious life. Make your life beautiful. You are made in the image of God, and that means you are a creator. That means your job is to make something beautiful out of what God has given you. God has given every one of you a garden both physical and spiritual for you to tend for you to care your life is god's gift to you does anybody agree with me here today you should strive to make it make it beautiful not just as a statement of your own individual personality but you should make it beautiful as an act of worship because god gave it to you I just wanted to say that I, I just so I took I took my time. It's almost as though they gave me a microphone and I can just say whatever I want to. And I know that scares scares people to no end. So uh, Happy New Year. We are in the year of our Lord, 2022, who would have funk it? When I was growing up in the church, we all thought that the Antichrist was imminent. And with the exception of occasionally thinking my neighbors were the Antichrist, uh, the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist was at work, uh, but who knows about the rest of it. In the meantime, God has been good to you. He has invested in you. God believes in you. I want to speak some hope here today. If you've had a rough year, I'm actually preaching about that a little bit today. Uh, God knew all the dumb stuff you were going to do in 21 before you did it and he decided you were worth investing in. God knew all the dumb stuff you were going to do this past year, and you might have written you off, uh, but God decided you were worth investing in, and so here you are. Those of you joining online, uh, we're so glad you would give us some time. I encourage you to stick with us, not just click away. Why? Because I want you to be a part of the worship life of our church and what the Spirit is saying in our church. Uh, it's been a little bit of a strange weekend. This, uh, Omicron is going Going crazy. Um, our worship pastor is home. Um, uh, Nathan Melix. He's not here today. We're so blessed that we have an incredible team where they can keep right on going and we're so thankful for all of our team. Uh, My wife uh, was supposed to be here, but she is in uh, Lake Charles with her mother, who very much needs the touch of the Lord. At the conclusion of this service, we're going to have a special time of prayer, and we're going to pray for her. And let's see. uh, Also, our Connections pastor, Pastor Don, he decided that he was going to feel bad, too. They all have abandoned me and left me by myself. And I want to say to you, woe, woe, woe is thee. Why woe is thee? Because I have no reason not to preach two hours today and you guys decided to come on out. So I figure, you know the Bible says offense must come and I just want to be a blessing. So (laughs) that's how that works. Um, let's see, uh, one other thing, next Sunday, we will be back on our regular uh, Sunday schedule, uh, which is two services for uh, the convenience of all of you, which is 9:15 and 11 a.m. And so that will be starting back next Sunday. Um, also, we have a guest preacher next Sunday. One of First Church's favorite preachers is Omar Jolly, and he's going to be here preaching next Sunday. And uh, that is always very much fun. So if you're watching this, uh, I expect you to do a great job, Pastor Jolly. Uh, but don't do too good because I want him to miss me a little bit. So that's that, how that works. Just preach something in the middle. <laughs> Just having fun. Uh, Going to be a great Sunday. All right. Um, I am doing something you've never heard done before, and that is I'm using uh, one of the greatest dancers who have ever lived as inspiration for this sermon. I know what you're thinking, uh, Pastor. Nate, we did not know you were a great dancer, but I want you to know I am a great dancer. You just did not know it. Uh, me and my little girl, we have dance-offs all the time, and I always win. And so she disagrees with me, but she has that spirit her mother has. It's, it's a problem. So Fred Astaire wrote a song that goes like this. He was one of the great singer-dancer people of the 20th century. It goes like this. Nothing's impossible, I have found, for when my chin is on the ground, I pick myself up." dust myself off and try all over again. Stay calm. No screaming or uh, throwing money at me. That would be awkward. Uh, And certainly nothing besides money. That would even be really awkward. Um, I pick myself up. I dust myself off and I start all over again. Don't lose confidence if you slip. Be grateful for a pleasant trip and pick yourself up. Dust yourself off and start all over again. And here's another good part I like. Work like a soul inspired until the battle of the day is won. You may be sick and tired. Does that apply to anybody here today? You're sick and tired? Good. If you were sick, you should have stayed home. Shame on you already. (laughs) But you'll be a man, my son. Would you, will you remember the famous man who had to fall to rise again? So take a deep breath, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again. So my title is Dust Yourself Off. <laughs> dust Yourself Off. We are in this first Sunday of a new year, and most first Sundays of the year, us pastor types, we preach messages that are in some way vision messages. Uh, I listened to a pastor this morning while I was here early, and I was listening to him preach live, and I figured if his message was better than mine, I just would preach his message and throw mine away, and I am tell- I want you to know it was not better than mine, and so you're preaching. That's a joke. Nobody laughed, but it was funny. I don't care what y'all say. Uh, <laughs> Um, He was doing that very thing. I've done it almost every year where that first Sunday of the year, you preach a vision message about the heart. Somebody say the heart. The heart of the church. All churches have personalities. All churches have what we think of as culture. Uh, It feels a certain way. And here's what's interesting, and I actually wrote a book about this, uh, so you've heard it many, many times. Uh, Most churches believe that it's their theology that creates their culture, but that's that's not what creates their culture. There is a tremendous study done in evangelical churches um, all across the country, and that is the majority of most people in an average church does not even know exactly what the church believes. They believe in Jesus, and that's pretty much what they know, and then if maybe they have served uh, or they went to religious school, maybe they know more, but most church members... Now, I know this church is different. All of you can quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelations, maha. But most churches don't even know the systematic theology of the church they are, they are in. But if you went to their church, that church would have a feel to it, it would, have a, it would have a culture to it. It might be a positive religious culture, that is where you use religion to be motivated to missional purpose not to just self-center and self-perfect, but you believe you are changed through doing. You are changed through serving. You are changed through giving. The culture of a church is formed by things that oftentimes the church does not even realize is forming the culture and the style of the church. Uh, One of the reasons why we have a common theme here at First Church and we try to get this right. There's maybe any number of things we don't get as right. Uh, But here's something we strive very, very hard to get right, and that is there is no Christian path without loving God above everything else in our lives. Now, this is an act of will, not emotion. You cannot command emotional love, but you can live out the love of devotion, even if you do not feel the love of emotion. And so, your spiritual life will have ups and downs to it. Can I have an agreement in the house? There will be seasons where you feel like the very angels of heaven walk with you, and there will be seasons where you feel like seven devils live in you your guest room. And if you've had a lot of family over, it might actually be true. <laughs> and so you, uh, you will have the emotional experience, but true love for God is not emotional, it is devotional. Yeah. I choose his way. I choose his values. I choose not to serve self. I I choose that in this upside down kingdom of divinity, not humanity, the way to have is to give because the kingdom of heaven is not scarcity based. The kingdom of earth is very much scarcity based. But in the kingdom of heaven, when you give, you have more. It is not scarcity scarcity-based. It is abundance-based. That's why all of the promises of God sound like assurances of abundance. I'm not just going to give you enough. I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it together, and it is going to run over. It's difficult for us to shift gears because it goes against everything we've learned about how the world works. And uh, this should be a good thing to you. So all churches have this feel. And here at our church, this one thing we're going to get right, we're going to love God above everything else. It will be a devotional commitment in our life. And we will be the first to admit that if we don't remind ourselves every day of our devotion, we will lose it. We will be the first to admit if we don't repent from selfishness every day, we will not be a part of the kingdom of heaven. We'll be the first to admit if we don't soak ourselves in the word of God, as it were. Let it flow through every part of us. We will live like every other person who claims to be a Christian and then lives as though their blessing is scarcity-based. Now, I've given a lot of concepts to you here today. I've kind of just, uh, given you a fire hose of concepts here today. Uh, it's okay. Just suffer along with me and, uh, be glad that you've made it the first 10 or 15 minutes of this two hour sermon here today. We stand the first Sunday of a new year. What does that mean? It means this. You get to try all over again. I need an amen from this side of the church. This is the side that really needs to hear this, I've decided. This side, the middle, not so much. All you guys are pictures of perfection. But this side over here, y'all need some Jesus over here. So I want you to hear, I just randomly picked you guys. You know how I do. I want you to hear this. The gift of a new year is you get to start all over again. Anybody else in the house want to start all over again? And so uh, I've learned this from the great theologian and philosopher Fred Astaire, that you do not start by starting all over again. You start by picking yourself up. There's something about living in failure that inclines you more to pity than change. There's something about living in failure that inclines you more to that grand worm-eating pity party. then it does change, and if you're going to start all over again, you're going to have to pick yourself up. You can't start over again on the ground. You can't start over again in the failure. You've got to get up out of that failure, and you've got to dust yourself off. (laughs) Why didn't I entitle this little uh, theological discourse I'm giving you here today. Why didn't I entitle this, Start All Over Again? And why didn't I entitle it, Pick Yourself Up? I don't know, I just was randomly choosing this, and uh, actually there was a reason, and it goes like this. The part we struggle with is the reorganization of the mess. Not deciding we need to eat better, (laughs) You can decide that for three whole days at a time. <laughs> in fact, I wrote down a whole list of things I uh, wanted to quit doing in the, fir- in the new year, and then I realized that you guys don't like a quitter, and <laughs> so that was the end of that. Uh, for three whole days, you can decide you want to eat better. Can I get witness from this side of the church? Oh, yeah. For three whole weeks, you can decide you're going to the gym. Yeah, <laughs> That's about how long most gym commitments last. Did you know that? It's about three weeks uh, uh, or a little bit less than 30 days. And so uh, if you're wanting to make a gym commitment, don't say what you're going to do uh, for this year. (laughs) Say what you're going to do for this month. Because if you don't make a new commitment in three weeks, you're going to quit going to the gym. You have to make a commitment every three weeks. Or you could be like me and say enough of that business already. No, I'm just kidding. I love to work out. That's Pastor Ed over here who has that type of a rebellious rebellious, uh, 'er ne'er-do-well personality going on over there. Uh, Y'all all all just pray for him, okay? But don't fast for him because he wouldn't fast for you. That's funny, isn't it? That's funny. And so, the, the difficult for us is that dust yourself all off part, where you reorganize the mess you have discovered yourself to be in. It's the reorganization where, watch this, the work starts. You see, decide you're going to get up, that, that's, that's, yeah, I mean... You got to do that anyway because let me tell you a sad reality: no one's paying your light bill. <laughs> so you got to get your get up anyway. You know what I'm saying? So what am I? Te- I want you to reorganize yourself going into this new year, and I want you to do it first of all spiritually. Why spiritually first? If you can get the foundations of your life reestablished, everything else will be easier to build. But it is very difficult to start with carnal things and then add the spiritual to it because getting yourself organized carnally does not create the soulful momentum that is created by getting yourself organized spiritually. So I want you to get, look at your spiritual life. How have I been doing and guarding my mind How have I been doing? Let's take this question larger and wider. How did I do in the year 21 with guarding my mind? How did I do with guarding my mind? How disciplined was I at having a conversation with myself and catching myself with the fearful thought, catching myself with the negative belief system and saying, no, not that, but rather I am God's child and I have purpose in me and I have a calling upon me and I am committing by the help of the Lord to that purpose And to that calling, how well did you do in 21 on guarding your mind? Because if you did not guard your mind, you lived in constant spiritual conflict. The battle's much harder once the enemy is inside the walls. You need to win the battle at the walls. And so if we are not guarding our mind, we are always fighting a, a block by block, grueling battle of trying to re-establish control over the very parts of our life that should be safe. Lord, I pray that someone here today would be able to receive this. So often we come into your house, Lord, and we hear, and we think, oh, that's good, or that's enjoyable, or that's entertaining, or that's funny, but we do not, we're not ready in our spirit to receive us. Lord, I'm praying for the person here today who stands at a crossroads of spiritual opportunity. They could step into a promised land of purpose and calling, or they could wander in a wilderness of futility and despair. God, don't let us leave here and miss the lesson of your spirit that is moving within us right now. But let us receive the unction of your spirit. In Jesus' name, we pray. And can someone say, so be it? it. In Jesus' name. (coughs) Excuse me. Excuse me. I do not have COVID. I did, but I don't. (laughs) Nowadays, every time you cough, you're like... COVID-carrying creeper alert. (laughs) And so um, I want to give you a a few true things about uh, difficult years because some of us have had difficult years. I want to give you a few things. Uh, If you look back at your year and there was a lot of evil in your year, I don't mean you are being a doer of evil, although all of us in the year 21, we're doers of evil because all of us are flawed and all of us need mercy and all of us need spiritual regeneration. And can some church folks say amen? And so all of us have done evil and uh, all of us have to repent for the evil we have done. And all of us have been victims of evil uh, in the past year. Uh, What do I mean by victims of evil? I I mean evil in the sense that we use it when it is best understood as I have been the victim of malevolent forces and malevolent voices people who because of dislike because of anger because of their own toxicity they have tried intentionally to hurt me um, I have I have to be honest with you and uh, if you've lived in this sinful fallen world you have uh, faced evil this past year the first thing I want you to do is stop looking at the evildoer as though they're bad and you're good we are all of us bad and we are all of us needing mercy and spiritual regeneration. Why do I want you to do that? Well, first of all, yes, it humbles you and makes you more available to spiritual calling and purpose. But more than that, it's a gift you give yourself because you are now able to forgive the person who has harmed you. If you're struggling to forgive, it's because you, in some level of your personality, you think that someone has done something to you that you are not capable of doing to someone, and therefore you struggle with uh, forgiving them. I want to say first to myself and then to all of you, we are capable of more evil than we ever dreamed possible. We are, every one of us, capable of any number of malevolent actions. If you get us afraid enough, if you get us scared enough, if you get us bitter enough, there is no telling what might come out of our hearts. And can I have a half-hearted amen? Yeah, that's because you're feeling guilty. Um, I want you to see, however, that once we see that... We have been the recipient of evil and we have the capacity for evil. We now are able to live humbly, number one. And number two, we are able to forgive others who have done us wrong. How did evil come into this world? The Bible tells us, Romans 5 and 12, uh, evil came into this world because of sin. Sin came into the world because of what one man did and with sin came death. And I want to remind you, that everything in this world is broken at various levels and in various ways by the evil and the sin of the human condition, Matthew 24 and 12. There will be more and more evil in the world so most people will stop showing their love for each other. I want to read that one more time and I want you to gather your attention because you need to hear this today. Uh, There will be more and more evil in the world. What's the result of that? Most people will stop showing their love one for another. If there's ever been a statement of this generational, social, and political moment, it is that there is so much Evil in the world, people have lost their ability to show their love for each other. I want to say, I want to be the first to say today, <clears throat> I love all you stinking souls, all you imperfect, all you people with tempers, all you people uh, who struggle with being generous, all you people who have problems with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That would be everybody. I want you to know, I love you. I know you're flawed, and I love you anyway. You say, oh, you're just goody two-shoes. Not really. Uh, It's really kind of self-interested because I want you to love me too, and I'm just as flawed as you are. But let's create a culture of hope here today that says, I believe good things for you. I speak blessing for you. I speak hope for you. I speak the love of God and the favor of heaven upon you. Uh, If you'll believe that about me, then you won't live in secret sin. Because secret sin kills your spiritual potential. And it also denies yourself the great lesson of humility, number one. And number two, the great accountability of brothers and sisters in Christ who care for you and know they're flawed too. Uh, if we're going to be a true church, then we need to have not just the quiet altar confession where God knows, but we need to have appropriate spiritual mentoring confession where there's people in your life that you make yourself spiritually accountable to. Some of you have recently made yourself spiritually accountable. I want you to know that I respect you for doing so, and I think you are on a path to real spiritual wholeness and healing. Those of you watching online, tempted to live isolated Christian lives. I want you to be, if it's possible, uh, to receive what I'm about to say, and that is this. You need, brothers and sisters, to walk with you, to pick you up, to care about you, to believe in you, to see your sin and say, I'm committed to you, to see your error and your flaws and say, I am committed to you. Everything on earth is broken by sin, and it's not God's fault. You see, you're not pets fenced in the backyard. You are creators. That's why there is evil in the world. People create evil. People, by the fulfillment of their lust, their actions, their choices, they commit evil. And who is the victims? More people who are also capable of evil. Do you see? This is the source of evil. And rather than God being to blame for what sin has done, God grieves because of what sin has done. And what does he do? Provide a way of escape. All right. You don't have to live in that prison. You can begin to choose his way, not the way of the sinful heart. Because that way is meeting judgment. And you don't want to meet judgment. You want to meet mercy. All right, let me move along quickly in this two-hour reflection that I'm sharing you with. Uh, in uh, their suffering, Isaiah wrote 63 verse 9, in all their suffering, he, God, suffered too. Let me say that again. In all their suffering, he, God, suffered too. I've told you this illustration before. A uh, famous rabbi in the concentration camps of World War II was singled out because of his, uh, his status uh, and made to suffer particularly by some of the malevolent guards uh, who were taking care, not taking care him, but imprisoning him, the opposite, I should say. <laughs> And he was forced to dig in the latrine pits, which is as horrible a thing you might have to do for literally hundreds of thousands of people. And it's just a terrible place. And the people who had to do it died very quickly because of the germs and disease potential of those uh, latrine pits. And while this famous rabbi's digging down in the latrine, one of the guards stands over him and says to him, "Uh, where is your God now, rabbi? Where is your... God now, Rabbi. Look at you in the latrine. Where is your God now, Rabbi? And the Rabbi looked up at the guard and he said this, he's right here digging in this latrine with me. Isaiah said it beautifully. God (laughs) suffered with all their suffering. In all their suffering, He suffered too. Uh, Psalms 56 and 8, you, Lord, keep a record of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle and list each one in your book. Uh, So the world has fallen. It's full of evil, and that evil exists as our own actions. And even when we try to do good, it exists as potential. What do I mean by potential? uh, This is what I mean by potential. You guys have heard this. Let me just catch everyone up. We cage tigers and lions at the zoo, although very few of them have ever heard anyone. All the tigers and lions and crocodiles at the zoo, they, they haven't heard anyone. They've been in cages their whole life. So why are they locked up when they've never heard anybody? Because of their nature. And if you let the lion out, it's going to say, hey, dinner, I thank you, Lord, for this lovely meal that is ahead of me right now, and I pray you would bless it in every regard. And then that's the end of you or your cousin. The tiger's never hurt anyone, and we lock them up anyway. Why? Nature. It exists as potential within him. This is why we're not judgmental as a church, because whether or not we're the ones doing the evil, that evil exists as a malevolent potential. That's right. Amen. All right, moving along. The world's fallen. It's a struggle that we have we are fallen but we are called to a different way a better way and we remind ourselves of the great Christian hope that one day God will justly deal with all of falling fallen sin uh, this is Hebrews 4 and 13 nothing can be hidden from God everything in all creation is exposed to his eyes and each one of us will give an account of our lives to him and so a fallen world fallen people uh, and God will will one day make things right a new jerusalem in some manner that is given to us in prophetic image but not always understood as to how it will literally come about we leave that with god and we simply say if he said it it shall verily verily come to pass and can some believers say amen, amen. In the here and now, however, God will bring good out of the bad if we'll give him our hearts and give him our lives. Let me say that again. God will bring good out of the bad if you'll give him your heart and give him your life. Romans 8 and 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good. Somebody say good. Somebody say it like you mean it. Good. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So I want to give you a handful of things that basically are uh, a plan for reorganizing yourself after you've fallen. Let's assume 21 was not your favorite year. Twenty-one was not my favorite year. I'm over it already. I say, yea, behold, verily, good riddance. I say, get thee behind me. You hear the joke about the woman who came home with a new dress, beautiful, red, fancified dress. She came home, and her husband asked her why she'd spent all that money, and she said, the devil made me do it. He said, why didn't you tell that devil to get behind you? She said, I did. He said, it looks pretty good from back there, too. (laughs) I love that joke. (laughs) Anyway, now you know everything you need to know about my wife. (laughs) So, uh, let's assume 21-1 is not your favorite year, and now you need to what? Pick yourself up. Come on, help me out now. Say it with me. Pick yourself up. Let's do that one first, get ourselves organized. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and try all over again. Okay, all right, thank you very much. Uh, Number one, you need to include others in your plans for a new you. Uh, You're not made to do life alone. You're not made to do faith alone. You're not made to do spiritual growth alone. You're not made to do ministry alone. Uh, you aren't made to do anything alone. Isn't it amazing that in the most violent places, which are prisons, the worst thing you can do to someone is to isolate them? Yeah. You are not made to do life alone. You need to accept help and support. You need to ask God to get involved in the mess you've made. And then you need to ask him how he has designed you to live because God has a plan for you. He has not designed you to do life alone. Uh, he's designed to put you in a seagoing vessel, the, <laughs> the ship of Zion. And you're supposed to be in the ship. You are not the ship. You're supposed to be in the ship. Find people in your life to do life with. So what are we doing first? Connecting to God. There is no strength without God. There is no better 22 than 21 without God. So all of us right now, I want you to make a commitment in your spirit. I'm not doing this new year just by myself, Lord God. I am committed to including you. Would you pray that prayer with me all across the house, Lord Jesus? We are committing to including you in everything in this coming year. We are connecting first with you. We are looking heavenward and asking for your will, your way, your strength. And then... We're connecting horizontally with others in our life. We're connecting to a church body. We're connecting to other believers. We're connecting with pastors. We're connecting with mentors. We're connecting with small groups. We're going to grow together. And can the church say amen? God comforts us in all our troubles. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse number 4. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Some of us us don't receive God's comfort because we don't give any comfort away remember the kingdom of heaven we have by giving it's not scarcity based we have by giving you want to have give do you need encouragement find somebody who needs encouragement more than you and catch them and say I think God has good things for you you feel alone find someone who feels more alone than you and catch them and say I just want you to know God's with you I just feel like I should tell. Maybe I'm the one who needed to hear that, but let me just use you as a backboard. You are not alone. God is with you. God comforts you. Why? So that you can comfort others. All right. Then when others are troubled, we're able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Galatians 6 and 2. By helping carry each other's troubles and burdens, you are obeying the law of Christ. Uh, Number two, um, the second thing. You're not going to make it a better year by yourself. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Um, You're going to have to make a commitment to seeing things as they are, not as they feel. Yeah. Right. I pray this prayer every day, uh, particularly when... It I'm going through tough times, there, there is pain in ministry uh, because um, it's very difficult as a leader and a minister to separate rejection from the whole, from rejection of the self. And a lot of times, particularly the more immature us pastors are, the more we feel everything as personal rejection. I want you to know I have a black belt in this, and I uh, also have a PhD in this. And if I allow myself to see things as they feel and not as they are, I always, And mourning rejection of me. And if you were to ask me, I would be the first to tell you it's not really about me. But because I'm living an undisciplined uh, state of being, I'm letting myself see things as they feel and not as they are. And so we need to focus on what's true, not on what feels true. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 1, verse number eight, we were crushed and completely overwhelmed and we thought we had never lived through it. We expected to die. But as a result, we learned not to trust in ourselves, but on God. Yeah see things as they are not as they feel how they are is not how they feel how they are is a different level a different understanding and when we combine our willingness to accept truth with god's truth then we learn that the truth of god sets us free and so let me just say real quickly to all of you and i'm almost done uh the trauma of your past year may or may not be your fault i don't know I tend to think it isn't your fault, uh, but let's be honest, there are scenarios where it could be your fault. Neither is particularly helpful. Whether or not you think it's your fault or not your fault, it's not particularly helpful to figure out whose fault it is. Instead, we are going to pick ourselves up. Dust yourselves off, and we're going to start all over again. But I do want to say this uh, trauma that you have survived is not your identity now. Whatever you went through in 21 is not your 22 identity. Some of you are watching right now. I want to say it to you, too. You're not even in the house, and I'm a little bit mad at you for that, but I'm going to forgive you. And it goes like this. Whatever you went through this past year is not your identity. You may have even quit coming to church because of something you went through, and you think the church will think that is your identity. No, we're going to stand over you and speak God's promise over you and say yesterday is finished. Today is the action plan, and tomorrow is the promises of God. So, uh, your trauma is not your identity. And lastly, your trauma is not your future. Whatever you came through in 21 is not your future. Uh, and so, the result of that is I'm going to ask you to waste no energy on revenge, <laughs> waste no energy on hate, <laughs> waste no energy on who did who. Wrong song. Did anyone grow up singing that song or am I dating myself? I think I'm dating myself. I don't even care. My generation's the coolest. These kids nowadays, they're like game nerds. How can that be cool? That's all I got to say about that. We grew up without games, we had to suffer in the backyard pretending to kill people with imaginary guns. That's right. So um, I'm not going to waste any energy on revenge. I'm I'm not going to waste any injury on any injury. Well, that too. I'm not going to waste any energy on reflecting on how I would like to get back at them. I'm going to see that as a sign that I never forgave them. I'm going to laugh at myself (laughs) because it's laugh or cry, right? (laughs) I'm going to laugh at myself, and uh, I'm going to spiritually, emotionally wash my hands of all that and say. The present is my action plan and the future is the promises of God. The present is the action plan and the future is the promises of God. One more time for the sleeping folks. The present is the action plan and the future is the promises of God. Romans 12:19 God says don't insist on getting even that's not for you to do I'll do the judging and I'll take care of it uh, number, so the next principle uh, after we're not going to waste any energy en- energy on that business yesterday is is, is past um, I am instead going to speak hope, and faith over every frustration in my life, not just on the days I'm feeling religious. Let, let's be, I'm almost done, really, I wanna reassure you. I just felt like there was a spirit coming from right here hoping I would hurry up, but I want you to know, I, I'm, I'm. just let that be a blessing to you. <laughs> Love you, darling. Um, so, uh, some days I feel religious, true story. I just wake up feeling good. Does anybody ever just wake up feeling spiritual? Mm. I just wake up. Now, this only happens a couple times a year. (laughs) Uh, Just cutting up. It's not that bad, but you know. Um, And I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I'm feeling spiritual, I'm pretty good at speaking faith and hope over all the junk. Now, let me tell you something. Whenever I'm a little bit ashamed of myself, I never wake up spirit, feeling spiritual. Have you noticed this, Pastor Ed? No, no, you don't? You wake up feeling spiritual every day? Okay, well, all right. I, next Sunday's on honesty, okay, just so you know. Um, so, uh, <laughs> what am I, oh, Jesus, take the wheel. Um, so, The the trick is not when I feel spiritual, then I speak faith and hope. The trick is to accept the fact that I'm a hot mess, but then stand on the promise that God's not. I have to stand on that. I have to build on that. I'm almost done. I have to build on that. And the art... Of saying faith and speaking faith and saying promise and speaking promise, when I'm not particularly you know up on myself, I'm not particularly you know exultant on myself. That is the real hard work of faith. But all of the power of God's spirit in our life to change us is built upon faith and promise. Um, an angel's never going to show up at your house and you know force you to do anything. It's going to be built on faith and promise, faith and promise. And so I am going to build a hope, faith, and trust in my life that is not founded upon my emotional experience of it, but is founded upon the biblical promises of God. Jeremiah 29 and 11, this is an important scripture here at our church. Uh, In fact, our mentoring ministry uh, led by Sister Tiffany, who needs Jesus. Pray for her very much lovely person, needs Jesus very much. Uh, She is the director of it called Prosper You based upon this scripture right here. The plans I have for you are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So so be it Lord, so be it. And so you don't have to feel that emotionally. This is the devotional element of loving God, serving God, placing Him as the highest value in your life. Uh, God says He has plans for me, hope for me. So I put faith, hope, and trust in God. It's not founded upon whether or not I'm having a good week. It's founded upon the promises of God. Job 11, verse number 13, give your whole heart to God and hold out your hands for Him to help. Then you will lift up your face without shame, and you will stand firm without fear. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like water under a bridge. Your life will be brighter than sunshine at noon and life's darkest hours will shine like the dawn. You will live secure and full of hope. God will protect you and give you rest. And notice verse 19. You won't be afraid of your enemies. In fact, many people will ask you for help. All right, that's enough. Stand with me. Over there. We're going to pick ourselves up. going to dust ourselves off. And we're going to start all over. 22, I have a simple message for you people here today are committed to this simple, simple thing. We're starting over again. We're putting the past in the rearview mirror. We're leaving it with God. We couldn't make it right if we tried. Only God could make it right. We couldn't find justice in it if we tried. Only God can make justice out of what we have survived. We're committing to the right now moment of organizing ourselves, dusting ourselves off, and starting this year anew and a and afresh a new and afresh and can the church say in Jesus name an intercessory nature right now and so I, I felt this message in my spirit and I I wanted to share it with you but the truth is unless it resonates in your life um, it's just another sermon and you know there's plenty of those to go around and so um, let' let's, let's do something here a little different how many of you would like to practice a little bit of shall we say this vulnerability and confession and admit this that this last year has not been a great year it has been a bit of a mess but you're committed to going into 22 with new hope and new faith and new joy if you'd like to make yourself a little vulnerable here for a moment raise your hand all across the house it's, it's been that kind of a year <laughs> yeah <laughs> been that kind of a year um i had a feeling this was going to be the reality Okay, so chances are you have in your life one or two areas that you failed. Now, you may have seven or eight like me, but let's just start with one or two, okay? It's the nature of a new year, okay? So one or two areas that you would say, you don't know what this year holds, but you're committed to fighting against those one or two things on every corner in your life. You're not going to do that, all right? You think you can do that? So two things are going to happen. I'm going to, first of all, pray for you. And then I'm going to pray with you as we make a spiritual commitment to a better year in 22. So if this applies to you, lift your hands all across the house. Church, if there's someone near you, extend a hand toward them. Just, Just extend a hand, pray a prayer of intercessor. Lord Jesus, we are praying right now for every honest person making themselves vulnerable in this moment, confessing before this house that they need a new year. They need, they were ready for a new year, Lord Jesus. They were ready to turn away from uh, the errors, the sins, the evil within the heart, and the potential evil within the heart. Lord God, fresh starts in their life. Lord, I pray they would pass, go, and collect their $200. I pray they would start over, oh God. I pray they would would pick themselves up and dust themselves off and start a new year all over again. In In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to First... Church Charlotte if this podcast has blessed you please rate it with 4 or 5 stars by doing so you will help others find our free podcast and bless them